Join us as we discuss the power of making memories as a family and why we as parents should remember that there's more to life than autism. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Welcome back, Embracers. (laughs) Sad. Oh, that's a new thing, right? We're going to use it. (laughs) We mentioned that like last (laughs) season. We haven't touched on it since then. So, yeah, sure. We didn't get any negative feedback on it because we got no feedback on it. So, I'm going to assume that's consent. (laughs) I'm just positive feedback. Sure. Okay. (laughs) And moving right along. Yeah. So, today we are talking about the importance of making memories with your family. And the reason this came up with us is because we have noticed how often we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the autism diagnosis. This is not at all to say to forget autism. It's not to say to eliminate autism or anything like that. It's not that we're saying to belittle autism or forget about it. It's more that we have found that in our lives, it's important for us to make time to not over fixate on autism. Because sometimes we lose sight of the fact that there's more to our family than autism. And if you are always hyper fixating on autism, whether that be the therapies or the accommodations at home or the meltdowns or anything like that, sometimes you can lose sight of the bigger picture, which is that family unit. Because we focus so much on the schedule of how can we make as many therapies work in our schedule with logistics and scheduling, okay, getting the schedule for the kids going, making sure that they have their routine going, that we often kind of fall into the same category where our lives are very structured simply around the therapies. So this is kind of a way to say like, yes, I mean, clearly the therapies are important, getting the best results we can for the better good of the kids. But we also need to kind of step back and realize that there are other things that we can do with our family that are not just therapy. We can have fun time. We can have enjoyment that isn't just very rigorous schedule that is centered around therapy. We have found that it's often very difficult to balance these therapies because there's often quite a few that come hand in hand. If you're doing ABA therapy, those are oftentimes really intensive and can be like 40 hours a week. That's a full-time job. If you're like us, you actually have a full-time job on top of that. So how do you balance two full-time jobs? And then that's just one therapy. I mean, we have occupational therapy, speech therapy, there's physical therapy, music therapy, there's all sorts of therapy that our children are often recommended to do. And we've mentioned in previous episodes how it's important to find that balance and make sure that you're not overworking yourself or your child, because again, it's important to make sure that the child is not being overworked. But what we haven't yet mentioned is the importance of essentially swapping out that work for free time that is fun. When we're saying reduce therapies, we don't necessarily mean reduce the therapy so that you can then do something else that is also productive work. It's more like take a step back and reduce the therapy so that you can take a break and do something that's fun or something that's going to take your child's mind off of the work aspect, take your family off of the work aspect and create some sort of bonding quality family time. And this kind of focuses on the idea that quality of the therapies is better than quantity. More is not necessarily always better. This is true of basically anyone. If you're doing the same task over and over and all you do is work and you don't have any relaxation time, just kind of a chance to relax and enjoy other parts of life, you're going to burn out very quickly. 
This is kind of a way to transition where you're not only viewing the therapies and then centering your life around it. You're trying to find the balance between, okay, we're doing the therapies as we would ordinarily, but now we're going to try and maximize the time outside of therapies to try and try and do something fun for the kids and the family to relax, boost our spirits, kind of pull us closer together as a family so we can have fun time that we enjoy with our kids and family. Sometimes you'll get the question, so how do I realistically make time for family time when I do have all these therapies for my child? My opinion on that is to get creative. That's always my option. I love my go-to being get creative because there's a lot that you can do with creativity. For example, if your child is in occupational therapy, there's a lot of things that you can do in occupational therapy that also apply to vacation time. For example, take your kids to a beach. If you take your kids to a beach, if they're anything like mine, they'll be harnessed. (laughs) (laughs) For safety. Right. If you take them to a beach, what's at the beach? You have sand, you have water, you have seashells, you have a giant sensory bin. You can do occupational therapy-like activities at the beach. So just get creative in the way that you're replicating these things in a fun, vacation-y way that you can also incorporate your siblings, family members, get the kids to try to build a sandcastle together, even if it's just parallel play, or even if it's just playing in the similar area and not even looking at each other, at least you're spending quality time together in a sense. Right. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like a entire day or weekend at the beach if you're not able to make time for that. We go on walks just at like a local historical park and our kids love that. They have a blast kind of running around. I mean, it's an open field. They can kind of run free, kind of do whatever they want. I think once we were having to see how far we could like throw like a stick or something. So I mean, just little things. Okay. That helps for the physical therapy, the idea of, okay, are you able to get the motion to be able to kind of throw a stick? It's incorporating a therapy into your everyday life that is not fixated in an actual room or facility. It's just enjoying nature and kind of looking at other elements that could also be substituted for therapy. Right. So for example, physical therapy, our daughter necessarily needs to go to physical therapy. We aren't currently taking her due to scheduling conflicts, but we can still replicate physical therapy in the real world. There's great ways to do that. You mentioned one going to like these historic parks. They have a lot of like these hiking trails that you can do, and they're not necessarily super difficult, challenging hiking trails. These are pretty basic levels. So just taking her for a little fun adventure in the woods where we're hiking If they're in a loper, I probably would have a leash on mine. (laughs) But still, doing something that's outdoorsy and still incorporates the things that they would learn or be practicing on in their therapy sessions, but doing it in the real world application. Right. And that has the added benefit that it doesn't create a negative image of a therapy, for example. So if you're going to a facility twice a week, for example, and your child is getting burned out with therapy, okay, like the, the same hour every couple of days or whatever, versus like, oh, let's go to a park. Let's go on the swings. Let's go play. They don't necessarily think in the back of their mind, like, oh, I'm doing physical therapy right now. They're just being a kid. So it it has the, I think the added bonus that they don't know they're actually like doing work, if that makes sense. They're just being a kid, having fun. But it, we have the knowledge that they are actually improving on these skills because we're creating the environment that they would need to use those skills to kind of move forward. And if you feel like your child is just doing too much therapy in general, 
then perhaps you don't even want to do anything that is therapy-like or therapy-esque. Maybe you just want to do something basic, sit down, watch TV with them. That is spending quality time together if you're all gathered around on the same couch trying to watch TV. Even if they don't want to sit with you, they might be getting up, bouncing around. If you're all in the general same vicinity and you're all focusing on the same thing, I would still count that. I know that with autism, we have to make accommodations in terms of what we can and can't do to constitute family time. But that doesn't mean it's an impossible task. It's just a task that we need to essentially accommodate towards a more realistic goal when it comes to working with autism. Yeah, I would definitely identify the strengths that your child has and kind of roll with that. For example, like our girls, they love animals. I mean, they also love water. So like as far as like going to like an aquarium, so they're able to see fish or sharks or or whatever. We had gone to a a marina. A marine museum, I think. And they had like the little ray fish, the little... Stingrays. Stingrays. <laughs> I knew it was something with Rayfish. Ray. So they had like the little like ray fit. <laughs> stingrays. Stingrays. Okay. I almost had it. <laughs> they had the little stingrays and the girls were able to kind of just see them swimming. And I think they actually let you put your hand to kind of feel Pet them. it. I don't yeah. think either of our girls did because no. I think they were a little. They're not going to do that. <laughs> a That's little, too much sensory a little, play. a little nervous. But they were actually able to see these animals in real life and they absolutely loved it. There was also like a little dock that they could walk on. And I think they were actually able to like climb up into like a an actual like lighthouse. They were having like a blast because it was something that they were interested in because they had seen it on TV or their little cartoons where they see like a stingray. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so so they, they're able to relate it to real life of there's an animal, I'm excited. We just kind of focus on like what their strengths are and then we try and incorporate family time around that because we know that there's a good chance that they'll be excited with it. Another example is around Christmas. Our girls love Christmas lights. For example, we had like a local park of sorts that does like light displays and we could like drive through and see all the different Christmas lights displays, like Christmas trees. They have like Santa doing like different like motion without the lights and like different tunnels of lights. So we're just trying to maximize whatever their interests are and bring them to environments that really cater to that. I mean, we have a good time. Our girls are laughing, enjoying the car ride, seeing all the different lights and we're happy because they're happy. So, I mean, it works all around for good family time. Another great way to do that is seek out in your local neighborhoods and areas. See if there are special needs nights, because a lot of times if there are different museums or any sort of like organization nearby that has a special needs night, typically they will allow the entire family to go to that. And usually, honestly, in my experience, those events are typically free, but that would allow your entire family to go to like one of these festivals, for example, and they will accommodate your child in that day. They're usually sensitive friendly. They usually have really friendly staff there that's empathetic towards special needs. They will typically have some sort of accommodations or activities or crafts. And most importantly, the people on staff on those days typically are very patient and understanding. So that's something that you could easily do that would accommodate you and your family and you could do something really fun. And personally for us, I love it because it's quiet. There's not as many people. Right. And everyone, I mean, is kind of of a similar situation that their kids may be on the spectrum or might have other disabilities that they're working with. So everyone is kind of in the same group. So we're very understanding towards each other. One of the places that I thought had something similar to that was was a Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. Chuck E. Cheese has a sensory day. I think it's the first Sunday or Saturday of the month. Right. So we, ha- we haven't actually tried that ourselves. I just found out, I think, from you. So I'm not sure. But I mean, that might be something in the future that we could look into just kind of getting them out, trying something new. 
And it depends, again, on your child's specific needs because our kids, for example, love lights and flashing lights in particular. So Chuck E. Cheese would probably be fantastic for them. But if you have a kid who's really light averse or sound averse, that might be a sensory nightmare for them. Right. So for our youngest, for example, she's not a huge fan of like loud sound. So we'd probably have to bring her like earmuffs if we were to try this in the future. But overall, I think trying to focus on what your child is really interested in and then from there, just trying to build a exciting activity around that. Yeah, depending on what quote-unquote level of autism your child has, if they're on that quote-unquote higher functioning side of things, you might even want to involve them in the process of coming up with these activities. One idea is to get a bunch of popsicle sticks, for example, and you guys can all sit down together as a family and write ideas on each popsicle stick. Just think of all the things that you could do locally, whether that's going to some museum or an aquarium or the pool with a family pass, the beach, whatever it may be. And then you can just put all of those in a jar and then every weekend just randomly draw one popsicle stick out of that jar and then determine if you are able to do that. And the reason I say that is because if it's an outdoor activity and it's raining, you might not be able to do what you draw. (laughs) Or winter. (laughs) But, you know, it gives you something to work with. And then you can always just go through the popsicle sticks if you need to. But at least it adds this level of like excitement and spontaneity. And it gives you a plan. It gives you a path forward so that there's less work and less stress on you as a family because you already have a plan. You know, you just draw that popsicle stick and you just go with the flow and just try to enjoy it. Now, it is probably a good idea to mention also to make sure proper transitions are in place before trying a new activity that may or may not be a challenge for your child. Make sure that you're definitely letting them know what they might be involved in. Addressing that rather than we're going to have like a fun surprise, but we're not going to tell you what it is until we get there. Right. That that might be asking for a potential meltdown when you arrive, essentially, if it's something that they weren't ready for. Yeah. So if you're, for example, doing the popsicle stick idea, you might want to draw that stick one week before the actual event. So the weekend prior. And then during that week, maybe make a social story, a visual schedule, something to prep your child in advance for that upcoming event. And then again, remind them on the day of just reinforce it over time so that it doesn't seem spontaneous to them. It seems planned. With luck, that would be kind of a nice little getaway or a little activity that you and your your kids can work through. And it would be, I think, exciting for them if it's something that they are equally invested in. And this way, everybody gets a say. So if you have neurotypical children in the family as well, they also get to write ideas on a popsicle stick and put it in the jar. If there's something on there that's questionable, just try to find a way to accommodate it. I mean, obviously, you might not want to be bringing your two-year-old jet skiing or something like that. So maybe get creative. (laughs) Bungee jumping. Right, some of those things. Yeah, but you can find creative ways to do these sorts of things. Maybe it's an imaginative play version of that. It depends on the age of the child, but get creative and involve the family in this decision making so that it's more of a unit decision rather than just one person deciding for everyone. Right. So I think that that works for the the small, like maybe like a weekend activity. I also wasn't sure as far as like the idea of like vacation. I know we've touched on vacations before in the past of like how to navigate that picking a vacation destination. So if you were planning on like going vacation with your family, so something a little bit larger, like how would you decide that? 
I think that deciding on that, again, you would want the whole family unit together on that decision. But I think the more important thing when it comes to taking vacations, particularly if they're out-of-state vacations, is make sure you're taking everything into consideration in terms of how are you going to get there. Is your child okay with flying or would it be better for them to be driving? If you're driving, then that means you're probably limited to the locations that you're going to because you can't drive too far. And then if you are driving, you have to take into consideration pit stops, that sort of thing. These are ways that you can accommodate your child and still get those vacations in. For us, for example, we are very close to like historic sites. They are what you would probably consider a staycationable area for us because they're close enough that it's still a vacation, but it's not like a huge commute. That's one of the ways that I would get creative so that we can still have fun. But I know that for us, for example, our kids cannot fly. They definitely can't handle it, especially right now with COVID and the mask wearing. There's just no way they can do that, especially the older one who can't even handle the sensation of an elevator. Right. So we are fully limited to vehicle right now. We're grounded. (laughs) Technically, yes. (laughs) Right. Uh, So we definitely take that into consideration as to like where we're going to go. We're limited to like four or five states away. Right. And we have to build in as far as like, okay, we can drive like this far, take a nice little break, get lunch, have them walk around, stretch their legs, and then try and go a little bit further. Definitely can't do like a cross country trip. But overall, I mean... With that in mind, knowing like what your limits are for travel, that's also helpful too, because it allows you to kind of build in pit stops along the way. Overall, we're talking about like different ideas that you can do, but really what's important here is the value that this brings to your family unit. We think it's critically important specifically for our family, but any family that has an autistic or neurodiverse child, this is something that families tend to struggle with because we get so over-focused on autism. We get so over-focused on the therapies. We get so over-focused on caretaking, not just for ourselves, but, you know, our children too. These children who are going to the therapies, they're being overworked sometimes just because of the nature of therapy. If they're going five days a week, it's, it's a job. And they're siblings. They're neurotypical siblings. They're also probably exhausted because in more often cases than not, they're helping in some way, shape, or form of being a caretaker to that autistic child. So it's really important so that the family doesn't build resentment or they just don't get worn out and you just get overtired. It's really important to have these moments where you're injecting a little bit of a refresher to reinvigorate the family and add a little bit of that spark back in. Right. You raise a good point as far as trying to build a positive memory of the family having fun. So, I mean, we we came back from our driving vacation probably like last month or so. Our daughter is still talking about the fun she had at like the hotel of all the things that we were driving around seeing. She really liked the hotel. She was saying like, oh, new hotel. And she was excited about just, just the fact that we were in a hotel. It was exciting to her. I mean, she would still occasionally remember, oh, that she had fun at the hotel because I don't know if it was going up the elevator or like what exactly she was having fun with, but she would still mention it. So she still has the positive memory of our little vacation. She's happy that she had fun and she's reliving the memories that she had playing in the hotel, bouncing off the walls, um, (laughs) just having a good time, just being a kid. 
So we can't really tell you what to do when it comes to creating this family environment and making these memories, because I think that's very unique to each family. And every family has their DNA code in terms of what makes that family fun time fun to them. It can be cultural differences. It can be just natural differences of what you like versus what you don't like. What we find fun, you may not find fun. So just take some time together as a family and try to figure out what do you guys enjoy joy and where can you overlap that with things that you're actually able to do and accommodate and go for it. Make sure that you're being proactive in scheduling that in. Make sure that you're not forgetting about it. Make sure that it's on the calendar because oftentimes we'll tell ourselves, oh, we're going to do that. This weekend we'll do this or that. And then the weekend comes, you get busy, you're doing laundry, you're catching up on chores, whatever it may be, and then you completely forget about it. You have to make sure that when you're doing this, you're being mindful about it and you're being proactive about it. Some of these memories can be built, I mean, on a daily basis. I mean, watching a great movie with your young kids, building a fort, for example, we've built many forts out of cushions and both our girls love crawling in and out of the forts. Every once in a while, they want, they'll want to do that. I mean, it's just finding the little things that make a world a difference and just building off of that. And I think that is, I mean, what we've started to do. Our kids seem to be happy when we have time that we're able to build these memories with them. I mean, one of the things that we did is something as simple as playing in the rain. If it's a nice rainstorm where there isn't thunder or lightning, you just stick them in their bathing suits and go outside and just let them splash around in puddles. And we let them get wet, we get wet, and it's just fun. It's nature, so you don't have to worry about setting anything up. It's just done for you, and all you have to do is go outside. <laughs> and it's the added benefit that it's also shower time or bath time if you have There a little, you go. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> You're all set. Overall, we just think it's really important to keep this in mind and to make time for these memories because time goes by really quickly and you don't want to live a life of regret and have 20 years go by and then you realize, man, all I ever did was focus on these therapies and I don't remember making these fun memories with my child. So for us, that's something that's really important and something that we strive towards every day. Yeah, I agree. I think the time outside of the therapies is what we want our kids to remember and not just focusing on, oh, okay, I'm going to a doctor's appointment or to a facility to work on physical therapy. We want them to remember the great times that they had with our family and just having fun as a kid. Exactly. So just keep that in mind and remember, make memories with your child and your family. I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys take that into consideration. Time is of the essence when it comes to raising kids. You never know until they're 30 and out the door or who knows. (laughs) So go make some memories. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Have a good one. To review, we talked about how making time to create memorable family moments is critical to maintaining a strong family bond. We noted how it's possible to incorporate your child's special interests into family time and why it's important to make sure that everyone in the family feels included in these decisions. Lastly, we discussed that while therapies are important, sometimes we need to take a step back and have some fun to reduce stress and focus on what really matters in life, our family. Tune in next time as we address the challenges of bringing autistic children into formal settings such as church, weddings, and beyond. We answer questions such as, how do I know if a setting is appropriate for my child? What do I do if my child struggles in formal situations? And how can I better prepare my autistic child for church and other formal settings? This is Embracing Autism.